And we're back! Welcome to the Prodigals Podcast, where we discuss all kinds of topics relating to faith and culture. We discuss topics not normally preached on the pulpit or talked about during Bible studies. That is why we are here for you. It is our hope and our goal that through these discussions, people will be inspired to talk about issues that Christians go through in their daily walk with God. So without further ado, let's get to our discussion. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Prodigals Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alan, and a special host in this episode, a special prodigal, um, my sister from another mister. Legit. Melody Elakas. Oh, thanks. It's so good to be here with you. Man, I just miss you guys. I miss, like a lot of our like theological discussions and just i feel like i've grown so much with you guys um spiritually and theologically that this is like exciting for me because oh what a nice thing to say good no no say. it's true it's the truth <laughs> <laughs> well how we got an episode for you crazies so many things so many things happened in may i was having so much trouble um just speaking uh but yes thank you for joining us and we hope that you're blessed by this discussion this is our monthly report where we talk about uh, the news that intersect with christianity and culture the big things that are noteworthy to discuss and react to so without further ado the big one that just came this past sunday uh, may 22nd 2022 it's a doozy. Uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, convention. Uh, news about them. A third-party investigative report was released on Sunday that states that many Southern Baptist leaders worked to stop lawsuits against potentially abusive pastors. The report shows that members of the executive committee, which runs the day-to-day operations of the SBC, knew there were problems with some pastors, but they did not do anything. Uh, For more than two decades, victims and survivors of abuse, alongside other concerns, Southern Baptists have been contacting the executive committee to report abusive pastors through every conceivable channel, only to be met by resistance, stonewalling, or even hostility. General counsel to the EC advised past three presidents not to take any actions on abuse claims as it would put the SBC at risk. It was only last year that the SBC decided, I think it's through Albert Mueller, uh, decided to go ahead with the independent investigation. The SBC investigative task force says we received this report with open minds and heavy hearts. We grieve with those impacted by abuse and we are prepared to repent for anything the credentials committee inadvertently failed to do to alleviate the suffering of survivors we are committed to listening and learning from this extensive report and its recommendations we look forward to implementing recommendations and strengthening the credentials committee's work thoughts southern baptist convention 
Go ahead. So man. I think like <laughs> yeah, you look like you want to say on, you look no, you look like on. you want to say a whole lot. <laughs> no, 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 no. I give you first. Um, I guess like we we already kind of talked about this uh, in a much smaller c- scale. It's not when we talked about this a couple episodes back when we were um, when we reacted to the Julie Roy's report about John MacArthur's church. Um, so I refer to that discussion. I believe it's the February one or the April report or March. I don't know. So <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. But yes, refer to that one because it's also John MacArthur. John MacArthur was also um, accused of burying or ignoring um complaints about abuse in his church so but this is a much larger scale um and i believe that i don't know why they did that you know like when look where they're at now you know the the general counsel you know the lawyers of the executive committee told the past three presidents not to do anything because it would Mm -hmm. put the sbc at risk well by doing that they didn't know that they were continuing to put the sbc at risk which is kind of ironic. Um, mm. And it's just, it goes back to, uh-huh. you know, due diligence is very important. You must look, I think, into every single complaint. Um, yeah. Especially because you never know if, I don't want to say that, you know, oh, you know, the allegations are not true, but there are instances where allegations are not true. Um, but that's the reason why you look into every single um every single complaint is that you know with all these things coming into light especially with Ravi Zacharias um John MacArthur's church and all these you know Josh Duggar just mm-hmm. got sentenced to 12 years of prison like everything that you know Christians especially prominent Christians are kind of committing out there and have come to light mm-hmm. you know it's just you you need to get into every you know Due diligence. Figure out if if what these allegations are true or not. But you can't figure it out and you can't get into the the truth of everything if you don't do anything. Right? So. I think Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think um this aspect of, of due diligence is is definitely needed. I think when due diligence is is done properly because sometimes it's done improperly. Uh, some Sometimes policies or procedures aren't even real due diligence from time to time. Um, but I think when things are done properly, you're going to see the truth come out. And, and the hope through that is during that time of investigation, you can help to protect um, both the... Um, both the supposed victims, because we don't know if it's true or not, and those who are being accused um, at the same time, right? Um, and I think it's I think it's hard. I think that there are times we do want to think the best of people, especially people um, in high spiritual roles, or that might hold some kind of, um, or that that we that we might, you know, even hold on to 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 a pedestal. Um, especially in in matters of our of our spiritual well being, but I also think that humans are humans, um, and there are times where humans make mistakes. 
humans also, um, they might want to feel powerful or feel like they are able to put themselves in situations or positions where they can just get what they want and that's not always the case I think this aspect of it being ignored for so long is it's not only until like recently within the past what decade or so that people have really been coming to light with things such as um allegations to to do especially with aspects of abuse and sexual abuse too um and I think that prior prior to a lot of people were were being ignored or felt super shameful about it. But I think we're starting to see a culture come out, uh, even socially, especially when the Me Too movement um, kind of started, where it's it is okay to to talk about it. it is okay to call people out on on these aspects. And you know, I think I think the big thing for now with this specific well with almost any situation will be what will the restorative process be on the different ends where's the restorative process for those who who are survivors where's the restorative process for those who might have had an accusation against them that was false even for those that that have committed you know these um these crimes where will restoration how will restoration look like Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, restoration is definitely you know the way to go. Um, especially for those like maybe you know the allegations weren't true against these pastors. Like for sure, mm-hmm. like they should be put back. Like no question, if you know the truth came to light that the allegations mm-hmm. were false. But I, I think like for those pastors, in terms of those pastors where allegations they found out that they were true, mm-hmm. um, I think. Like the restoration process, like sure, like do your work in terms of, you know, get therapy and, you know, make sure that, you know, there's apologies and you work on yourself and your uh, relationship with God. But um, as far as it goes, you're only going to be as, as the most that you're going to be is just a a regular member. Like I don't see, or I, that it shouldn't be like this is the thing that I failed to mention this Ravi Zacharias is that yes, Mm -hmm. there's restoration. Yes. There's still fellowship uh, in the, in the family of God in terms of if someone repents of their sin, Mm -hmm. but um, their, their career as a leader and a pastor and as um, someone that's on the pulpits over like, you know, their teaching Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, the the position of the pastor is that important. And Mm -hmm. if, if the allegations are true and you they own up to it like that Jim Lowe guy like uh what's it called uh James Lowe I, I don't know there's this pastor in Indiana who you know um kind of mm-hmm. it, he got caught not caught but like there was a live stream where he owned up to a uh <clears throat> it's crazy so he owned up to so he says that he committed adultery 20 Mm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And because of this, he's repenting and he's going to step down as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And until, you know, what, you know, until the executive committee of his church deals with it and figures out what to do. And then Mm -hmm. in that same moment, when he was getting off the stage, the person who he was having the affair with Mm -hmm. went up to the stage 
uh-huh. and um told everyone like look it wasn't just a regular affair a regular affair is one thing but she was 15 she was 16 at that time Dang. so um and they went on for nine years so that's a different story it's like okay you're confessing to adultery that's fine but that's not the whole story i was 16 i was a member of the youth group so um yeah something's crazy is that um it's just yeah it's like their 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 position is i think should not be ever be considered ever again because it's that's the grave you know that's the responsibility as teachers they know better and Mm -hmm. the you know punishment is so much harsher if you know better Mm -hmm. so like like that's going to be the consequence for their for their actions essentially like that they won't that they're that they aren't able to be in such like a a high position anymore or be considered that type of a, a leader so to speak is what you're saying i Mark? believe so yeah okay and that's why i do due diligence because someone's career is mm-hmm. um on the line right oh for sure like you have to figure out if they're innocent or they're guilty mm-hmm. but the thing is sbc didn't even go that far like they they were yeah. stonewalling um accusers or survivors and they were resisting at the same time keeping those pastors in positions of leadership not doing anything about it not even investigating them it's just Mm -hmm. um i guess like neglect of responsibility so what do you well what do you think well what do you guys think should should happen even to them because they're that first line of defense right and suddenly they're not doing something um about about an issue that they're aware of and even though they're not the ones committing that crime um like they are directly involved with essentially making sure that things don't come to light that justice isn't brought isn't brought through so then do you think anything should happen to 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 the legal counsel so to speak because we're like yeah of course i think all of us think like yeah like you're in this power you're in this powerful position and or you're in this position that a lot of people like uplift you into and now the consequence for whatever action is you you can't hold that okay fine but what about the people who are stopping like that the investigations to happen or Mm. Mm, i really haven't really thought about that but i believe the general counsel who were um the two individuals who were the general counsels from years past have already stepped down so i don't know if they can any you know you know repercussions wise in terms of leadership and position i don't think there's anything to be done there except um i guess like what i can think of is like the the possibility in the future for them to go back again like be the council again I, I don't i don't think they should be considered ever again um three presidents in the past of the sbc you know they're already past presidents so uh i'm not sure what can be done there there's albert moeller who's the current president and 
I think maybe he's the one who finally said, okay, let's do this. Um, I think that's a noble thing for him to do. Yeah, I think for the past presidents, there might be legal exposure for them. Um, mm. uh, and so there's that aspect of it. Um, I'm not too sure about the council itself. Because they can just say, well, it was just legal counsel. They could just, they had a choice whether they could follow it or not. Right. So yeah. they might be able to sort of escape any kind of legal exposure that way. However, you might want to second guess whether you bring them back again to counsel you, you know, legally. Um, just off the bat, um, the explanation that they gave, like we're trying to protect the, the Southern Baptist convention itself seemed raw like it the motivation completely wrong we're just yeah we're trying to like what and you can you can argue you can you can justify like oh you know it it would hurt the cause of christ and there is there is an element to that yes the gospel will get hurt in that instance but as you were saying mark you probably did a whole lot more damage Right, that they covered it up and tried to mm. stonewall and block any kind of investigation that's that's going in. Right, um, essentially, you know, robbing those that have been wronged, if that is truly, if that was the case, right, of of any kind of healing and and you know restoration, they'll be stuck with those moments. They'll be handcuffed and, and anchored to those moments. Uh, and, and that's a hard thing to, to, to have to deal with. And that's a hard thing to do as a leadership that shouldn't be done. Um, now we can echo, you know, a lot of what we all think should be done. Like, Hey, you gotta call out these pastors and, and whatever. Um, first thought for me is, you know, this is not, this is, one in a long line of things that of sort of like these sexual abuse situations that we find in the church to, you know, not only today, it's been going on for decades. You would think that at some point leadership would, would change the paradigm of how ministry is done Yeah. when we're trying to engage or trying to be in this context in the world where legal exposure is now a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, where sexual abuse is now a thing. Right. And the power and the, and the, uh, the position that a, a church leader is put in, into, right, has, I think, stronger ramifications from, from the outside of the church than it was obviously from the first century. Right. This is not mm-hmm. something that they discuss, you know, in that first century church. Right. You have, and we have to, be able to put safeguards to change the paradigm. So to safeguard, not only those that would be victims, right? But also those that are empowered to, to, to keep them from temptation and falling, right? But we haven't done that, right? Our leadership hasn't done that, right? Mm. Yes, you have, you have a good large number of church leaders, pastors, clergy, elders, deacons, church leaders, Sunday Sabbath school leaders, right? Uh, that are able to, that are able to, um, navigate 
uh, you know, the, the temptations that, that, that are there, not just sexual, uh, uh, temptations that are there, but other things, right? When it comes to financial and, and just moral and ethical stuff. Yes. All there's kinds a of whole abuse. lot of us. Yeah. All kinds of abuse. They're able to navigate that, but yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's enough. There's enough instances where people have fallen. Where bigger, bigger people than ourselves have fallen for smaller things. Mm-hmm. Right. And we still continue to do the same paradigm ministry the same way. And it puts everybody in danger. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of why for the life of me, we haven't been able to figure this out. We pour millions as a Christian church into evangelism. Can we not figure out, sit down, how we can protect ourselves and those that would be in danger of, of being in a position where they can be abused? Preach, like, I mean, we, you, you would, you want to, you want to say, you want to say, Hey, we were only, we're, we're going to narrow down the process of who we pick to be in leadership positions. Great. Wonderful. That's one thing. And there's a problem with that, especially if you are a church or you're an organization that has grand expectations of the Great Commission and growing your church. Cause you need people to fill those positions. And it comes to a point where then if you don't have, if you have too many people and not enough hands doing the work, then, you know, you have that laxness. I'm fairly certain a whole lot of churches don't follow the, the, the guidelines of what makes an elder an elder. <laughs> nope. Well. No. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're compromising on that the, tangent. Yeah. We're compromising <laughs> on our things that will put people in danger. It's yeah, it's true. I I'll, I'll say this, this past, um, this past couple of few years, um, at the place where I work, I actually help out with our women's soccer team and the head coach is a male and myself as well as his wife are like the adults that are, that, that are there with the team. And this is how we're careful, especially like for him, as well as for like the, the females that he's working with, um, and mind you, none of them are like minors or anything, but still like to keep it professional, whenever there's a conversation that any of them want to have, let's say with him, like he brings one of us with him into the room or there will be multiple people from the team going into this conversation kind of a thing. If something happens to a player where they need to go into the locker room and he actually has to attend to the, to a medical need, he again brings one of us Um with him there and it's just one of those things where not only does it protect him as a leader as a coach it also protects you know the the students that that we work with to make sure that they that they know that hey like there's somebody else here so if something were to happen hopefully it's not just a he said she said type of a situation but it's some of those small things you know that we haven't even necessarily tweaked ourselves within a church context like whoever tells their church leader make sure that you are never alone with just you and like one person in your youth group even if they are the same like gender so to speak 
right? I don't think I've ever really been told that as as a youth leader or something. I remember me and my boss were talking one time because of the fact that that sometimes I have to drive students to airports or different places, and my boss will say, make sure they sit in like the back seat. Is like one of the first things. So I remember like one of the first times I did that when some people were like, but why do we have to sit in the backseat? I'm like, I don't know. Allegations could come out of this. You can say inappropriately touched you or something if you're sitting in the front and they're like, but we're the same gender. I'm like, that really doesn't matter in this in this day and age and in this context. Right. And even my boss will tell me, like, sometimes I'll, like, record, I'll, like, put a, I'll start just doing, like, a voice recording so that if something were to happen, like, if somebody tried to, like, here's the voice recording from, from that instance. So it's, it's, it's interesting that there are, like, some people are hyper aware and they do even, like, small things, but you're right even as institutions different institutions they don't necessarily outline some of some of these small things that they can do to protect everybody that might be involved and i think and i think that's sad right like mm-hmm. not putting not putting in those resources not trying to even employ somebody to be like this is like procedural of things that you can do to make sure you're not in this type of a situation or to avoid these types of situation situations right so i don't know i just i think it's i think it's interesting absolutely and not only that i think you know (laughs) just the stress level alone that pastors Mm -hmm. and church leaders are put into right um breeds an environment where you have to rely on you know one or two people right on and if they're you know, same sex, you know, different sex, doesn't matter, right? As you were saying, as you were alluding to Mel, like at this, at this point, at this, yeah, in this day and age, that doesn't matter so much anymore. And, you know, this, the amount of pressure that we put on our church leaders, right? Uh, I, I think it is, it is hazardous. Like you're setting people up for failure. Mm-hmm. Right. I you're, think that's you're, key, you're, it's a breeding ground for like temptation. Yeah. Yeah. Like setting people up for failure. Like how is that even Christian? <sighs> like I, I get, <laughs> I get it. There is a Fox book of martyrs. I get it. Like in, <laughs> in different, in different centuries of our church, there has been, there's been tribulations and trying times and dangers for, you know, the church itself. And yet, you know, you would think that we would have figured out a way how to mitigate those things. Like you just, I, 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 I am, I am behooved to think that we just send people out and just say, go with the grace of God to protect you, you know, knowing that everybody has a deceitful heart, Mm -hmm. right? That we have this natural bent to sin. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You can, you can have, you can have a, a, a good handful of people that are able to navigate that, but there is so much, so many, right. That we have already that we would think, Hey, maybe we should figure things out. Right. Because people are falling left and right. We hear these things almost on a daily basis now. At this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and I, and I've said this, you know, multiple times on this podcast. There is a lot of anger in the world. 
right? There's a lot of hate in the world. And inside the church is not an exception, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for us, it, you know, we want to say, we want to say, um, that if you have done wrong to another, right, that there has to be a reckoning for it. Mm. The question is, you know, with faith, I mean, with forgiveness and grace, how does that fit in, right? When we're also clamoring that whoever does the wrong, right, they get their full, they get the full weight of the punishment, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying what they did is right. It's not, right? And they shouldn't, and as Mark was saying, they shouldn't be put in a position where they can, where they can repeat that, especially if we know Mm -hmm. that's a failing for them. Yeah. But at the same time, like sort of like that, that, that girl that came up and said, Hey, you know, I'm exposing you as that's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. Right. Part of me thinks that while yes, that it needed to be said that, that there's an uncovering of more than just whatever. Right. There's a bit more context to the story. It sounded like she also wanted to get her licks in. Mm. Mm. Right. I, and, and, mm. you know, uh, I, I find it with, and I know this is going to be a separate podcast, mm-hmm. but with the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Which is yeah. a whole lot more things that we can talk about. It's That's a series like, in know, itself. It is a series in and of itself. The amount, I'm not saying that, that people aren't, 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 um, like they shouldn't have access to their own justice, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have to deal with the 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 passage in our in our scriptures that says, "Hey, if you've got problems with somebody else, don't take it outside, right? Go on, deal on with it. it. Like, wh- how do you? How are we supposed to take that, right? And work that into, you know, how how do we work that into a sexual abuse in a rape?" In, in something like that within our context. That is, the, I don't have the answer for that, right? But that's still a thing, right? No. That's still a thing for us. And it seems that we're not, like, that at times it's hard to distinguish what the church would, what the church would do very much different than what somebody outside in the secular world would do. Would do. Mm-hmm. Right? You take them out, you, 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 you make sure it's public that they know so that quote unquote, everybody, uh, would, uh, be aware of the danger that is with this person. Mm-hmm. But also coming with that is getting canceled, getting shamed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the, uh, not only their, their lives are affected because, you know, it's one thing if it's just their lives, but they are connected to a whole bunch of other people as well. So they mm-hmm. themselves, those other people are then affected. So it's not as easy as, as cut and dry as like, okay, this guy did this, right? Um, mm-hmm. let's punish, let's, 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 um, let's get them at the full extent of the law to the full mm-hmm. extent of the law. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing that, that we're trying to navigate. How do we deal with that in our own church? Yeah. How do you deal right? with it in a Christian context, essentially? Yeah. Cause it doesn't seem that we're doing, dealing with this in a Christian context, right? Yeah. Except for the, except for the, um, the restoration part, right? How do we restore them? But 
you don't have to be a Christian to have that, that, that aspect because that's what the jail system is for. Mm-hmm. Right? You're supposed to restore them to society at some point because they've paid their dues to society. Right. Mm-hmm. And then get them back in. Mm-hmm. I think like from, from what I've read, um, from what I heard, um, when, when reading from the side of the you know, accusers or the the survivors, um, um, the abused, I think, like, I think from the get go, they've wanted reconciliation mm. and, um, to be acknowledged. And for the past, just for something to be done, right? Um, but I think it's just now there's just so much vitriol and so much animosity uh, because they haven't been listened to and they haven't been um, validated and they've been stonewalled the and, and they've been some? resisted so much that they're just at this point just trying to get their voices out there mm. um but from what i've read it's just like these these people just wanted to be heard and they just wanted for the church to know what they're going through um and i think like with uh with you know the the story that i mentioned in terms of you know the the lady that went up there uh to share her story is like she could have done so much more because she said like if i went and did so much more than what i could have done like your dad would be in jail um but mm. she didn't um she just wanted to you know make peace and get over and just have this healing process uh, but she just, you know, wasn't listened to. And, mm. and it yeah, came and to a point when, you know, the pastor owned up to an affair, but didn't say the whole story. And still, that's kind of still invalidating her experience. I was just saying, it's also like him saving face, right? Because he's not, he's yeah. not mentioning all the details. He's just mentioning it in such like a general context. Um Cause we're like, I think there are times where we're just like, oh yeah, that thing that you did, that isn't so bad. But then like when another piece of information comes into play sometimes, um, well, yeah, I had an affair. Okay. Like glad you owned up to it. A lot of people have affairs. Oh, I had an affair with somebody who was a minor. Okay. Whoa. Hold on. <laughs> right. Kind of a thing. And I think, um, this aspect of, of getting, getting the full story, sometimes or not even telling the full story sometimes yeah like you're confessing to your sin but when you don't even confess to like the whole part of it everything that's that's wrong with it isn't that also still kind of a sin yeah in some ways um because it's still not not telling the truth (laughs) well uh, something that that Kui Allen said about the cancel culture behind um behind some of these people that we're like, yeah, like when we find out some of these things, like they get canceled um, kind of thing. So where is that that aspect of forgiveness? And I think it's so hard because I think some people because we we also still live in a world where like like I've, I've talked to some pastors who are just like, I don't believe in cancel culture. I believe we need to help restore the person. I'm like, yeah, but 
it can't like I feel like some of us want want need to also remember there's aspects of time involved like yeah we want to help restore the person and we can start helping them to be in that restoration process right away but don't think it's going to be like an overnight or like a two month or even a two-year change sometimes right because we said even even for those that that go to jail or part of our penal code of like eventually we have to allow them to re-enter society right that's part of the rest restoration process and so we're not saying that you still can't be part of this society what we're saying is you don't get as um for some for some people um you just don't get the same types of liberties sometimes um and i think that for people who especially want to rush that process sometimes i'm not saying that they aren't sorry for what they did but sometimes i feel like they just want to continue on with life and almost act like not that nothing happened but they want to still try and climb back to the top so they're just really trying to move forward really quick but yeah so, so i think it's just it's just interesting this aspect of like yeah we're not supposed to cancel anybody but at the same time like how can you how can you not or why would you put yourself in a position to to be siding with with that person like how hard would it be i mean you guys have kids right like if somebody were to ever like molest your children so to speak um I think that obviously you'd want some kind of justice done, I would think. Um, I wouldn't know I'm not a parent, uh, but I but I think I think even just being one of your friends, I'd be like, yeah, like justice done. Um, but would you ever allow any other child to be around that person? Uh, probably not. Right. So it's not that mm. we're not trying to necessarily cancel that person, but part of those like, yeah, if you're still part of our society, like we just don't want you around any of our children. We don't want you around this, 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 that. And then the next question is how much time is enough time? But yeah, I don't know. Those, I, mean, I don't have answers to those. Depends on every person, right? Like mm -hmm. it has to be prayed for in the leadership, whether, you know, that person has, you know, sincerely repented from the wrongdoing and sincerely uh, wants to come back and has, you know, kind of, you know, rectified their relationship with God. So yeah. um, it's up to the leadership and it's like person by person by person basis, yeah. I think. Um, and just, yeah. I think, I think where Kui Allen was, was going was this aspect of like, yeah, the people who are survivors, they have it the roughest, right? Because yep. they still have to live with this thing that was out of their control many of the time. And then um, just being able to see that person being restored, especially if you feel like they like justice wasn't done in the way that you wanted justice done. That is like one of the hardest things I think to see. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And and it, and it sucks because our view of judgment and God's view of judgment um, are two very different things as well right and so as much as we as much as we're just like we want to do like the godly thing yeah um like i said yeah you know survivors have it really rough because how do you ask somebody to forgive right uh when they've been so you know so impacted by you know this one person mm -hmm. right i think 
for this particular, um, for this particular situation for the Southern Baptist Convention, they were, they were trying to protect themselves, right? Mm -hmm. The organization. And you'll find that for different churches, they're trying to protect the institution, the church, the organization, right? And so they'll try to swoop it under the rug, right? Mm -hmm. Or they'll try to deal with it quickly and quietly so that they can protect themselves. And that seems to be, if that, if that's the case, and it seems to be like that's their, their over, like their main priority, the first priority, right? You are doing disservice. Yeah. You are harming not only, not only the, the survivors, mm. right? But you're letting somebody that has done the abuse still there. Like it's, like you said, getting away with still doing the same thing. I mean, that's not helping anybody, right? Uh, so like I said, we got, so at some point we've got to change the paradigm, of what we do, mm -hmm. right? How we do it. Right. And this is a reality, right? This is not the first story that we've come across. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and if we go back to like decades of like, you know, like you have, you hear the, 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 the kind of the jokes of the Catholic priest and, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. It's been around, right? This is nothing new. So how come we haven't dealt with it yet? Deal with it, man. Leaders. Leaders need to deal with it. That's our call to action. Any leaders that are listening to this, deal with it. It's better to deal with it now than try and say that's a future problem. Yeah, like have set aside money, set aside yeah. people, set aside resources. Get them sitting in a room or like in some kind of Slack meeting and figure this out. Figure this out, leaders. Be better. Figure Get your stuff out. together. There's grace, but there's also justice. Um, all right. Second item for this episode. Franklin Graham blessed his heart. <laughs> um, son of the late evangelist Billy Graham. Uh, Franklin mm -hmm. Graham warns Christians to reject progressive Christianity, saying that it is not a gospel at all due to its rejection of core biblical doctrine. The real ultimate danger is that progressive Christianity can send a person to hell, he says. He further states that progressive Christianity denies the divinely inspired authoritative truth of the, of the Bible as it intersects every facet of living one key example that he cites is the supposed twisting of scriptures to accept gay marriage and gender identity um he says about justice uh, progressive christianity is primarily concerned with the issues of social and racial justice but he also he also acknowledged that the bible does address these things but um, most often neglects the far more fundamental issue of God's justice, how a holy and just God deals with sinful and wicked men. He says that the gospel is often neglected or distorted, leading to the regression into unbiblical thinking and living, which will put a person's soul in eternal jeopardy. Pastors must preach the whole gospel if they want their congregants to be convicted of their sin and to trust solely in the blood of Christ for the forgiveness 
Uh, he further states, evangelicals need to guard the truth of genuine scriptural preaching and living, remaining true and bold about exactly what the Bible clearly teaches, he writes. So there is no other way to be saved and secured for all eternity. Thoughts? Uh, first and foremost, sir, how do you know who's going to hell and who's going to heaven? I didn't know your name was God. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you see a future that Jesus did not impart onto the rest of us? I don't, I don't. Anyways. Um, I think that, I think right now, um, aspects of Christianity is seeing a disruption, a disruption that they probably don't like. They're seeing a disruption that they don't like. They're, they're actually, they're trying to, they're trying to say, oh, it's not biblically based when in actuality, some of the, some things that, that are considered progressive are more biblical, are more biblical uh, than what we might consider more legalistic, um, so to speak. And so, I don't know, sometimes when, when somebody tells me that, I just want to ask them, hey, um, are you wearing only 100% cotton on you like every single thing on you because if you're not and you have some rayon in there you're going against Deuteronomy like that's a sin so you're going to hell <laughs> no I'm joking you're not going to hell because of that Jesus died on the cross for us um but I I think I think that they are like we we are seeing a disruption in what people believe christianity should look like and there are other people who are just like no that's not how christianity should look like christianity should look like this love of god that helps to to accept people to know that they are part of this kingdom that they are part of the body of christ that they are that they are part of this community and i think some people don't don't like what they see or they aren't liking what's what's happening even socially um sometimes i want to be like i'm pretty sure most of the social justice stuff doesn't even come from the new testament it comes from the old testament prophets if we're gonna be honest <laughs> right so yeah. i'm just like so which bible are you really looking at are you looking at the whole thing or just a or just a portion of it right and and i think there and i think there is a danger to when um we what we call proof text right there, there's danger to, to proof texting. Um, and so to, to actually be, um, to, to actually be, be within the context of, of what the scripture is talking about, uh, is, mm -hmm. is super important, but what do I know? <laughs> what, just, what do I know? What does Franklin what do I know? know? <laughs> right. Um, I think, uh, my first reaction to this is just Franklin, was just being a grumps about progressive Christianity. But, you know, reading it further, I think he makes interesting points. Um, but can I just say, though, that both progressive and traditional Christianity has the potential to make people err, right? Um, it's just the way that you handle things. So, like, let's say, you know, um, the witness that let's say, you know, church brings forth to the world. Um, do traditionals um, make, you know, traditionals can make the same, has the same danger mm -hmm. as progressive Christianity. Oh, sure. It's just the way that we handle things. Um, but I think like Graham's point is that 
and I see this too, and it's my personal experience with trying to have conversations with progressive Christians, is that um, there is a what Franklin was saying. It's just the neglect and distortion of the gospel, which mm. is to Orthodox Christians is like, you know, the most important thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, how can you be a Christian and not accept Jesus's death sacrifice, um, death and sacrifice and resurrection, and um, that being the only way of Christ- uh, to salvation? How can you call yourself Christian if mm-hmm. you don't, you know, um, yeah. to Orthodox Christians, all right? Um, to the more traditional mm-hmm. Christians, uh, how can you call yourself a Christian if you don't fully outright believe in the authority of the scriptures plus uh more importantly the the gospel um and the doctrine of jesus's um atonement mm-hmm. i think that's his and i see that and I, I do agree with him and that and um he does admit that you know social justice is in the bible mm-hmm. and it should be addressed um uh, it's just that that should be a result of fully understanding, understanding. what the gospel stands for, right? For sure. um, if you understand the gospel and what Jesus brings and what Jesus's life meant in this earth is that he brought, you know, he he free, you know, Luke four is that um, I was bring, I was I was sent here um, to you know alleviate the the poor. Right. And to bring good news to the poor, um, bring freedom to the captive and um, and all the things that he said in Luke four. But that's only a result of, you know, Jesus, us believing the gospel in our lives mm-hmm. to make that difference mm-hmm. for others. Um, for sure. So but what I would say is that the tone is a little bit too harsh, uh, I think, and saying those words will definitely cause a jerk reaction rather than rather than encourage discussion. I I think it's interesting cuz um like I I grew up in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. I work for a Seventh Day Adventist institution. Um I am for for you know the most part and I would probably say this I am part, yeah, I am part of the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Um and it's interesting to see some of these things come up, especially when it comes to um, denominations that heavily rely on their members to fund their their pastors. Um, and I'm not saying that the SA Church doesn't do that, but whether you have a church of 20 people or 200 people in the SDA Church, you're you're getting paid the same for doing the pastoral work, so to mm-hmm. speak. So somewhat, yeah. I think gave me gave me a look look at, at that one, but <laughs> but for no, but for the no, but for the most part, it's not like okay. <laughs> Sorry, I think I think it was just it was a delay on on my end, so that's why. Um, so so it's interesting that that sometimes some of these some of these churches, even mega churches, so to speak, um. They're going to, I feel like at times where they, where they want backing at times where they, where they want some of the, some more money to, to come out, so to speak, or to make sure that they have that, that backing so they can, you know, live aspects of their, of their lifestyle. Um, 
they uh, they say things to make sure that their viewership is happy. They they might say things to to really help to distinguish that, um, so to speak. But that's just there 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 is economical and political things be behind that. And I'm not saying that they don't believe in in the gospel that they preach. I don't I, I'm not saying that they aren't actually Christians and stuff like that. I just know that sometimes when um yeah, when when aspects of, of your livelihood are are on the table, so to speak, you might you might do something to make sure that your livelihood can still be your livelihood. I think that is the best way for 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 me to say it. Um but yeah, in in regards to 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 what he's saying in this and and Mark just as a response to what you've said, I think you're right. I I think whether we consider ourselves traditional progressive or even legalistic Christians, so whether you want to be a Sadducee or a Pharisee um at this point um there are there are still going to be things that are still going to there's still going to be tweaking um in terms of like what what we know the gospel to be and i think the the important part of especially when when we are studying uh more and more about god more and more about christ more and more the bible um that we ask for for that wisdom that that comes from that comes from god for the revelation that needs to be had because I think different people respond different ways to different types of revelation. Um, and for some people, as much as sometimes I'm just like, I don't necessarily believe in some of the, some of the things that some of my friends might believe fully. Um, and I, and I, and I'm just like, man, like that's such like a low way of thinking theologically. I also remind myself like they're at a specific type of place, the life they've lived um, this is the best thing that will get them closer to Christ. So if this is what they need to bring them closer to Christ, who am I to kind of stop that where they're at? And if they are really searching, we'll see the development eventually. You know, you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. if it's an earnest searching and if it's an earnest studying, I, I truly believe that, that when the time is right and God is ready to, to reveal more, uh, then the person will, will be able to, to understand more and within the context of like, oh, okay, like it's like it progressively gets better. But that's just, that's just my opinion. Um, it's the same way we have different religions. Um, it's different ways for, for, for God to allow people to, to feel God's presence, to feel closer to God. But that's just what I think. I'm no expert. So. Well said, okay. Mal. I, I'm, I don't have a whole lot of, of um experience with progressives itself um and my view of franklin graham like it's not always been the best so you know i mean either way um however for me like i don't have any problem with i don't have any problem with progressive like, I, let me put it this way i have no problem with um new light to come. There's a biblical passage that my, that one of my professors keeps spouting out. I know I keep messing it up, but it's sort of like the idea that, um, the closer we, the closer we come to like Jesus's return, the more light is, is, is coming through, like more information and more of God is being revealed. And so I don't have a problem with, with a progressive bent 
to try to understand better what the scriptures are telling us, especially in the context of that we are living in. But if you're going to do that, you better show me through the scriptures, right? Because as much as we, as much as we can say that we have divine revelation, right? Divine revelation is sort of like a special revelation that people get sort of just, you know, for, for, for select few, right? Um, our, sorry, um, I meant, let me, let me rephrase that. General revelation and sort of like how, how God reveals himself through everything, right? There's that. There's the special revelation that some people get, people get, uh, through like prophesying and all that, all that goodness. That's fine. Okay. But our main reason, our main way of, of connecting and knowing about God is through the scriptures. Right. That has to be the, our backbone in terms of how we mm-hmm. develop mm-hmm. our theology of how we understand what God is, of how the how we are to act as Christians in this life and uh, getting ready for the next one to come. Right. And so if you're going to pro- be pro- progressive in thought, I have no problem with it. But you better come with the backing of the, the scriptures and it can't be just one text and your interpretation of it, like some kind of weird twist to it. Right. Uh, like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of, of experience with progressives. I saw one video where this one dude from TikTok is like saying, yeah, like there's, there's no, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no biblical mm-hmm. scripture that tells you that, mm-hmm. that being homosexual is, you know, is wrong. It's a mm-hmm. sin. There's nothing like that. I'm like, dude, like it's there, like in two or three different places. It straight up says homosexuality is an abomination. Right. And so stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I understand that from Franklin Graham's point of view. Like, yeah, if that's, if that's the extreme that you're going with, then yeah, you've got problems with that. The other thing is, Hey, um, you know, uh, I think that there are also other Christians that are trying to, trying to, um, merge or accommodate evolution into, you know, the Genesis story. Right. And it just doesn't fit. Right. And, and if that's the case, then yeah, you're, you're kind of like, I can't, I can't, I can't take you seriously that way. Right. If you're trying to, if you're just trying to, you know, accommodate what other people are thinking and just, and with this idea that, Hey, we can all get together and we can all be, you know, good because there comes a point where the scriptures will, will stop that dead in its tracks. And if that's the case, well, you know, you got to make a choice. Right. Whether you listen to that, like your own thoughts on that, or you're going to listen to what we know is inspired truth in our scriptures, in the Bible. Hey, our, uh, the Protestant movement was based on one of these, one of five principles. And one of them is sola scriptura, like the Bible only. Right. And so if we're going to take that seriously, that has to be the basis of, of how we deal with, uh, the way we, we interact with this life. Right. How we are to live our life. Right. Uh, and how we understand God. Right. Um, and you know, there's, there really isn't any other more concrete way to understand God than through the Bible. Right. And you can't just easily dismiss that, uh, just so that you can fit issues that people are dealing with and can seem right. But you know, maybe the Bible has something different to say about it. Right. And that had for the Christian, that has to be our, our measuring stick as i was saying like the tone is very harsh like it's kind of like combative rather than encouraging dialogue 
But I do get his point. I un- I do understand. There's like progressive Christians, you know, when I try to like go on Twitter, it's like, oh, I tried my, you know, I shifted my mindset from Jesus having to come down to earth to die for our sins and shift that to Jesus showing us how to live a fulfilling life. And that has made every difference for me. I was like, okay. <laughs> Like, how do I, like, you do know Jesus's main point is that, you know, he needed to come to die for our sins, right? And he did it, like, <laughs> um, but. I'm like, you need, you need all of that, though. You need all of that. Yeah, like, you need all of that. Like, yeah. please, please, please don't discredit one or think one is more important than the other. Like, mm-hmm. like the main objective, but while doing that, like. <laughs> I don't know, that's yeah so as i so i do understand where he's coming from but and i do agree with him that you know sometimes or like most times the gospel is neglected um but that's not the whole general yeah the, another issue that i have with him is he generalized progressive christianity um when you know there's so much christians out there in the progressive term it's like you can't generalize them. Like there are progressive Christians that still view the gospel as, you know, the the main core doctrine, but it's just like they're they're also more focused than traditional Christians in terms of social justice. Um and yeah, it's just you know, difference in views. But I think the main difference is that if you're a Christian if you believe in you know the the saving the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and that he needed to come down here to die uh, for our sins and he is resurrected and he's now in heaven um, interceding for us until, you know, the day where he comes back to bring us all home to heaven. So, yeah. I think, I think that, I think you've touched on a really good point about this aspect of generalizing. Um, because we do like to sometimes generalize. Um, it's true. What What is progressive? Well, progressive compared to what? Traditional compared to what? Because um, even when I had, there was somebody in my life that was starting to to become atheist, right? And they were even saying there's, it's not just like fully not believing in God. Like there's actually like five different types, you know, kind of a thing and so this aspect of of that moralizing too i think is can can be dangerous because really what might be progressive for me might be traditional for somebody else and what might be um yeah what might be progressive for somebody could again be still kind of legalist for for others and so it's it's that aspect of like what's the spectrum and what are we what is the compare and contrast to but true um all right third and last item sadly like there's so many things that happened in may Uh, a new study from the cultural research center at arizona christian university has found that just 37 percent of christian pastors in the u.s have a biblical worldview 
That is wild. The research included 54 worldview-related questions such as worldview regarding family and the value of life, issues related to God, creation, and history, personal faith practices, matters of sin, salvation, and one's relationship with God, human character and human nature, lifestyle, personal behavior, and relationships, and so on. It doesn't mean, however, adherence to a competing worldview such as secular humanism or Marxism. Pastor Michael Youssef, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, writes, uh, we're seeing deconstruction, pastors watering down the gospel, and other things going on. I realize this is a time for me at the age of 73, whoa, to leave a legacy to the younger generation of pastors. And it's not really my legacy, it's the word of God. It's the Apostle Paul's legacy. Yusuf urged churchgoers to ask, do they lift up Jesus at the cross of Christ as the only hope for salvation, eternal life, and the calling men to repent and women to repent of their sins and turn to the Lord? Or do they simply preach affirmations? Thoughts? Sounds like it's going back to what we were just talking about, right? Um, There has to be you know, for us, for the Christian, that's our main way of understanding who God is and how we are in this world, right? How do we, how do we live in this world and for the world that's yet to come? Uh, and when you have our teachers and our leaders not ascribing to it, uh, yeah, um, kind of dangerous, I would think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, I, I yeah. mean, I'm assuming that I'm assuming that um, if they are ascribing to different worldviews, that they clash somewhat with the biblical worldview. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm sure there are some worldview. Well, there are some points in various worldviews that align with a biblical model, with a biblical perspective, and in that regard. Sure, there's, you know, I, I've got no problem with that because it's in line with what the Bible teaches. But when it diverges from that or it comes as, uh, as a clashing sort of perspective, uh, for the Christian, at least from my standpoint, that's, you know, we, we roll with what God says. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a part of it too is, Sometimes I feel like they're discrediting, not even discrediting, that's probably the wrong word to use, but it's almost like anybody that we're trying to reach in in today's day and age, it can't be as deep as as theology should be or, or it can be in some ways. So to only introduce like a very... Um, very soft food instead of solid food concept. And I even see it now, like this aspect of like pastors, not necessarily uh, even feeding their flocks congregations because they might think, well, they're not ready for that. Or like, that's like beyond what, you know, society allows. I think we're discrediting that some of the lay people, some of the people that, that do want more of the solid food, they, they can handle it. You know what I mean? They can, they can research it. And I think a lot of people are just like, well, if they're very much so interested in that, they can just find out more in their own right this point in time where technology is at the, um, and information is just at our fingertips. So we can find out anything. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of just like, no, like 
there also needs to be spiritual guidance and some of the the heavy things that we need to talk about um and so i think this aspect of like yeah like them just trying to to essentially reach those in the secular world and like those people have brains too those people can think deeply you know um so you have to help progress them in in that way as well and i think um yeah i think that that's very useful um to be honest in my in my opinion when i listen to preachers i appreciate preachers who can relate to those that might not be able to to handle very deep theological things but for somebody who might be able to there's something in their sermon for them as well so it's not mm. long anybody but it can actually reach the different thinking levels the different yeah. theological levels of where, of where people are at and i've listened to a lot of pastors guys um and a lot of them can't do that and it's really sad and unfortunate um and it's almost like you already know that pastors go to sometimes you know and i'm like ah. and it's different when you're in a different context of you know i've also been to like a lot of youth rallies and sometimes i see a lot of the same people um who who are preaching and so i'm like well that's i'm like yeah if i hear the same thing from them it's in the context of these are young people whose whose minds probably aren't there yet per se you know what i mean and there's a specific reason and a specific it's, it's very specific but i'm talking about like if i'm going somewhere weekly to gain spiritual insight to gain spiritual feeding right and i don't feel that because you know, the preacher, the pastor isn't actually like saying anything that's that can go theologically deeper for somebody who's really wanting it or, you know, for those that 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 do study regularly or whatever, like it's it's kind of like disheartening in a way. And I think that's where a part of this issue might come from. Pastors are trying to relate more to what they think the world is instead of giving people the benefit of the doubt that there's more than that to to some of them there's more substance so to speak but that's just i don't know mm. yeah I, I can i can see how that that's that's the approach right um you know i i also understand that there's going to be a percentage of people where that's just not where they're living at right and so you'll have You'll have preachers, clergy trying to engage where they're most interested in because maybe they aren't so inclined into, you know, what God says, whether because they've had, you know, they've had an upbringing in the Christian church and they just don't want to deal with like anything that's related to that. I can see that to a certain extent, um, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's one thing to, you know, as Paul said, to be all things to all people and to engage people where they are, to have that sort of that Mars Hill sort of sermon, right? Talking about the unknown God that y'all worship, right? And catering your message to, to gain, uh, you know, to, 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 to put some truth in their life, to maybe even gain some credibility with them because it makes sense to them. There's that and something entirely different from having a different worldview than from the biblical worldview. Right? You can't sacrifice that. Yeah, you, you don't have to, you don't have to spit out the book and the verse where it's coming from. Right? You don't have to bring that up. 
necessarily, you can bring up the truth that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. By the way, shout out to Andy Stanley, who I believe is one of the best communicators out there that can reach all those levels that, that Mel was talking about. Right. Uh, one of the, Andy, my boy, Andy, (laughs) one of the best communicators got, you know, so, uh, you know, obviously from, from a different, because I'm from a different denomination from him. You know, I don't agree with every single thing that he says. Right. But as you know, one of my guys says, you know, you can eat the watermelon, but spit out the seeds. Right. So you don't have to listen to everything, but a lot of what he says is very, what of a lot of what he says intersects, uh, people where they are today. And yet he brings it from, uh, the foundation of a biblical text and a biblical story. Right. And the it's foundations that are founded. Yeah. It's super practical. It's highly practical. So, like his sermons. Yeah. Like I, like I listened to a guy named, um, Craig Hadley, um, out of California. And I feel he does, he does the same thing and is able to, to address some of the, some of these social issues that, that we're going through now with, with some of, with some of the, the Bible stories that we probably would have never thought about too, or even asking some of those tough questions sometimes of like, how do we know when God is, let's say, speaking to us? And then how do we know when God changes God's mind about something? Or how do you know that when we ask the, the spiritual counsel from, let's say, like a hundred pastors, that that is the right counsel? And then we ask one more pastor and they're saying something against what every other pastor is saying, which one do we, you know, go with? And it's, and so, and it's like some of those tough, tough things sometimes that I'm like, oh, I'm interested to hear this this low-key spiritual and Christian conundrum and how do we sift through that because it's hard like that's part of aspects for for those that feel that they are connected to God like those are part of those those aspects of of what we kind of have to deal with in everyday life too but yeah it's it should mm-hmm. communicators or listening to some of these people that are good communicators and especially I think what I appreciate about good communicators I feel is the fact that they will also say, I am not the end all be all. Make sure that you still study for yourself. I'm not going to, and this is me, like this aspect of like, you still need to study for yourself. I'm still studying for myself as well. I'm not going to say that what I say is like, that's it. Like, you don't have to even agree with, with what I'm saying, you know, mm-hmm. but I do want you to think and even think, um, think spiritually, think theologically about some of these things. And then also like figure out where you're at. True. Yeah. Um, Jell went, my wife, Jell, she shared like one sort of like saying of this person that she lis- listens to. She says, um, in the, in the, in the sense that, you know, you gotta, you gotta still, you know, um, delve into the scriptures yourself. As you were saying, Mel, like one of the, 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 um, um, sort of the alliteration, not the illustrations that we have is like eating, right? Milk versus meat and stuff like that. And the idea is that when you're listening to a sermon, you're listening to somebody else's regurgitated cud, right? They've chewed on it. They macerated it. They've digested it. And then they are up chucking it for you to take in, right? Exactly. Right. At some point, you've got to feed on the word yourself because if not, you know, you're eating somebody else's vomit. Now, it's not to say that other people, you shouldn't listen to other people. That's, you know, but you know, the point is, is that, you know, the point is you still have to delve into yourself because 
you know, the, there is something to be had with the interaction that you have with the Holy Spirit when who is the teacher of all truths is the one that is teaching you. Yeah. Right. No, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think this aspect, I think for, for some of us, when we realize that some of those communicators are just people to help us think more so to, to hopefully help us to inspire us to want to study more or to actually be like, I want to go look into that myself um, is, is good to, to help spark that conversation um, that you can have with, within your, within your mind, within your own intellect. And then also struggle with it uh, when you when you come to terms with with God and the Holy Spirit too, because um, how fascinating, I man people, how fascinating and how cool is it to be able to converse with God in such a way when when delving through through Scripture, um, man, it's it's an amazing thing, it's an amazing thing, and I don't think a lot of people are taught how to do that. And I think that's, and I think that's part of, of where we're at, even in this aspect of like a worldview versus a biblical view. A lot of people are not necessarily even taught to, to sometimes know the difference. Um, a lot of people aren't even taught how to, how to really delve into having conversation with God. That isn't just a prayer of dear Jesus. Thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my parents. Amen. Um, please help me. Please help me. Uh, uh, please help me uh, pass this test. Please help me pay my bills. Please help me find a girlfriend. Please help yeah. me keep that girlfriend. I think you make a good point and like being taught. And I think that's the, the beauty of education and training as a pastor. And like, you know, our, our denomination is just a uh, Seventh day Adventist church where we grew up. It's like our church is, our church has such a rigorous training in terms of schooling like you go to you know you go to school four years for a bachelor's um and then after that you're you're an intern in the church under a head pastor who's you know teaching you the practical stuff and after that like you're you're it's not an option you're really thrown into a you know a like a master's degree, like you need to update because you need to keep learning and you need to er earn more skills, learn more skills. And, um, and I appreciate that about our church. And it's, um, if you are in a teaching position, I think you need to have a PhD. Um, I guess, uh, in t at least in North America. Um, and I think like, that's the beauty of you know the system of you know our church, and this isn't hating on other churches, but sometimes I'm surprised uh, when I hear stories of the lack of training some pastors in other denominations actually go through. Uh, one example is Joshua Harris. Um, you know, I I, I actually want to go into an episode of you know <laughs> the curious case of Joshua Harris because he's 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 a good case study, I think, and I'm. I'm hugely empathetic towards him as a human being and as a, you know, someone who grew up in the evangelical world and someone who was thrown into, you know, fame and just like put into a pedestal onto a pedestal. But like the, the lack of training that he received, like he, you know, he just, he didn't even go through Bible college. He was just, he, he went through a mentoring from his head pastor, from his church pastor. And so um, you know, like stories of some, and I, I know sometimes it's like, there's just a God given ability 
and that you can just you know it's it's a ta- it's a talent and it's a gift to be able to read the scriptures and understand and uh, see what Jesus is the Holy Spirit is speaking through you through those texts but for the most part it's, education is really important and you know pastoring is no joke like I'm trained no with, joke <laughs> you know like, I'm trained like I, I'm I'm not a pastor um as of right now but I was trained with four years of you know bachelor's degree plus more years in leadership and youth being a youth leader and like a stint like a couple years being a worship pastor and being an elder but i to this day i still feel underqualified like if if there's a potential job that's out there that i could apply for like i I second guess myself like um can i do this because i know pastoring is no joke and someone who's you know an Enneagram nine, who's just so hey. <laughs> loosey goosey with life, hey. is just like really, um, you know, the, the it speaks to the rigorous um, spirit that you have to take, that you have to undertake to, you know, know the scriptures, know God, um, and have you know, a really dynamic devotional life. And um, it's not just you know. Preaching is not just about the feel-good texts. And I feel like a lot of my friends, not a lot, but like some friends who are in churches where they only feel, they only preach feel-good texts are like complaining. Um, there's there's no meat. There's no, and it's just like, it's not just those texts. It's like, there's the hard to understand ones. There's the Pauline epistles, the Johannine epistles, uh, Revelation, the prophets, the gospels, everything, the Old Testament, right? And um and also, we've been gifted the gift of the concordance, right? And the importance <laughs> of the concordance, like to see, and the orthodoxy exists for a reason, right? And it's been there for a really long time, and we need to really study that. And God-fearing men and women, you know, actually fought hard and at, at times died so that the church can have the right teachings and theology. And uh, if when we don't, consider these things we just you know devalue their work in history in christian history so um read what other people have written and see what god can speak um through them to you but also yeah just immerse yourself in the scriptures yeah put it this way you can get aha moments from preachers right but when you when you go through the when you go through the scriptures, you can get epiphanies from the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And those are worlds apart, right? He's the best so, preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, so it behooves me that you have, that you can have preachers and pastors that doesn't have a biblical worldview. Mm. I mean, if it, if, if what we, if what we're saying is, what it is like the biblical worldview, like the idea that the Bible shapes the way that we see the world and how we live in the world, as opposed to, I don't know, you know, uh, social justice warrior type deal or like whatever. I, yeah, I, it, if that's what's shaping your, your thought process and how you see the scriptures, hmm, there is a problem, right? I, I don't understand. I it I I I can't see how that works, you know, mm-hmm. in a church setting, in a Christian yeah. setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, all good points, guys. 
all good points, but we are running out of time. So there has been so much news in the Christian world in the month of May, and we are uh, regretful that we only have an hour or so to discuss these things. There's so many more. Um, you know, Roe v. Wade being potentially overturned. That's another discussion for another episode. Um, there's, uh, you know, our uh, recurring friend here, Greg Locke, who uh, <laughs> who came under <laughs> scrutiny once again by preaching that you can't be Christian if you vote Democrat. Um, so get out of my church, you devil worshipers. <laughs> um <laughs> So many things, uh, but w- we just want to say that we're praying for the victims of the shootings, uh, the recent shootings, yes. um, the one in Buffalo, which was heavily racially motivated, um, the one in uh, California in the uh, the worship um, in, in the church there. Um, the Asian church, uh, we're praying for them too. And, but, uh, the news that came this week was the, the children that died and the two adults that died in the Texas shooting. Um, you know, we can pray about them, but like what, you know, we're from Canada um so i'm trying to do what i can to fight for it online uh trying to you know you know put to light some you know opinions out there so that you know i know that people are not going to see what i see um but you know i'm doing what i can to fight for the families and to fight for better gun control laws and i know i'm probably not going to make any difference but personally like i can't just say praying for them and not do anything about it so i'm trying to do the best i can in canada but for those uh, listeners in the u.s um surely you can do more uh, to fight for better gun control and you know to vote for the right people who will put those laws in action um so we're praying for those people who have been uh we're praying for the victims and um, the victims loved ones um may you i we know that it's hard and we know that, you know, the loss is so great. Uh, but, you know, we're praying that, you know, Jesus sends you get you, you all peace and his presence will just be felt through these trying times and that uh, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the hope that we all have in Jesus and that he will soon return And um, we can only hope that we'll meet our loved ones um, in heaven when he comes back. So we're all praying for you. Well, folks, that's all we have for you this week. We hope that you were blessed by our discussion. Let us know what you think. Send us a shout out on our socials at the handle at the Prodigals Project on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you've been hearing, please like and subscribe. Also, leave a rating and review. It'll go a long way in helping us out. Stay blessed and stay faithful. And join us again next week for another episode of The Prodigal's Podcast.